0: Let's now move on quickly also to the Brexit panel, so Browright Equity in Luxembourg after Brexit where we will have Michael from BVCA, Co, Infrared Capital Partners and Nicolas from LFF. But just before we do that, just wanted again to thank our different sponsors with IQEQ, Atos, Arendt, San, Stibbe, Deloitte, Clifford Chance, Northern Trust, Loinslav and Casses. Gentlemen, let's get ready. It would be good if you could introduce yourself also to our audience very quickly about your role and what we will do afterwards.
1: So I am Michael Moore, the Director General of the UK's BVCA. We cover private equity, venture capital, and all parts of the ecosystem. So we have GPs, LPs, advisors, and many others in the membership. So uh, we've got a pretty good handle, we hope, on all things happening in our industry. Before this role, I had a number of years in the UK at Parliament, a place I'm not missing at the moment, given all the comings and goings over Brexit and everything else.
2: So uh, hi, I'm uh, Co Bardra. I'm essentially the head of compliance at Infrared Capital Partners. Um, I have, uh, we are a um, infrastructure um, investment manager, investing in PPPs and renewable energy. I've been with the business ten years, and uh, unlike Michael, haven't had a uh, exciting career in Parliament prior to prior to this. Uh, I've been a uh, dedicated compliance officer, but I've been heavily involved in the company's Brexit planning, um, and uh, uh, that's, that's my role for speaking today.
3: Good afternoon. My name is Nicolas Michael I'm the CEO of Luxembourg for Finance, which is the agency for the development of Luxembourg's financial industry. We are a public-private partnership uh, between the Luxembourg government and the financial services industry associations, including thus uh, LPA.
0: Good, then let's directly jump into the discussion. Michael, the Brexit negotiations are still ongoing, but what will precisely happen after the transition period, which should normally end on December 1st, 2020? And that remains really quite uncertain. Any specific echoes or feedbacks from BVCA members you would like to share with our audience today? What do your members expect and still potentially wish for?
1: Well, Stephen, I had hoped that by the time that I joined you here this afternoon, we would have some clarity about whether or not there was to be a trade deal agreed between the United Kingdom and the European Union. Let's not forget that we have a withdrawal treaty, uh, which has agreed the terms of our departure, but not about the forward-looking arrangements for ongoing trade. What is clear is that whatever is agreed, and we hope still that it will be agreed, will not cover financial services or within that private equity and venture capital. So, quite a narrow deal in prospect. That deal, nevertheless, is very, very important to the portfolio companies who are you know, invested in by our members. So, we're keeping a very close eye on that for that direct importance. The second bit to it, of course, relates to the goodwill that is generated by reaching an agreement. If we get the agreement, then it seems to me it will be much more straightforward to look at the parallel sets of issues that affect Financial services and our place within that, so that we can transition through to the new world post Brexit as smoothly as possible. Uh, now, if we don't get that, uh, you know, one worries that the, the ability to do that easily might be, uh, to a certain extent, compromised. Nevertheless, uh, it's going to be big, big changes, and we will be a third country as of the beginning of January 2021, and that will mean we fall under new rules and have to do the existing business we have within Europe with our European partners on a different basis. You know, most of our member firms have already taken the steps they need to be ready for that. The bits of the jigsaw that still remain to be filled in uh, we, and completed, we hope successfully uh, very, very soon, relate to the regulatory cooperation arrangements, which are important for delegation, for the national private placement regimes and other uh, issues, and ESMA and the FTA in the UK and others have all said the memorandum is is ready, Uh, it it has not been published, uh, and it is going to provide us with everything we want. that's great, uh, but uh, uh, there's not a lawyer in the universe who wants to take things like that completely on trust. Uh, we'd quite like to see the detail. The chances of, of getting the detail prior to the deal happening or not uh, look pretty limited to me. But, so there's still a lot to play for, but a very different world from January of this coming year.
0: Understanding. Nicholas, with the UK leaving the EU, Luxembourg is unfortunately also losing an active ally in defense of the financial services industry within the EU. What is currently the situation and view on the continent and especially in Luxembourg?
3: Well, um, I think the general view is that even four years and five months after the referendum, we are still um, obviously regretting the decision by the British people and it is something we have not rejoiced about, and we never will. Um, as Michael has very uh, eloquently put it, I think... Uh,
0: Nicolás, there might be a small problem with yourself. sound. ...will have
3: consequences, Sorry. and they have already been felt by institutions, not only in... Okay. I yeah, don't know. Well, um, Hello.
0: Nicolas, the connection seems to be not really working out. Uh, if you want, we will try to reconnect with you. Um, in the meantime, also, Co, uh, could you just explain us during those complex situation and negotiation, you have taken the decision to come and use Luxembourg as a new home and hub. What are the reasons of your choice and what exactly have you put in place in order to do so?
2: Um, so, when we started thinking about our Brexit planning, we considered three options. Uh, one was hope that some sensible conclusion would be, arise between the EU and the UK. Second was a third-party delegation model, a Manco. And thirdly, was establishing our own presence in the EU uh, and creating a, a substantive office. Um, we, we sought to rely on um, option one for a very long time, and it was only at the beginning uh, of 2020, late 2019, that we, it became clear that um, a relationship was not likely to be what it was in the past. So. Taking into account the size and scale of our fund management activities, we led led us to conclude that a third-party delegation model would be the uh, appropriate approach. When we consider a third-party delegation model, we wanted to work in a country which was prepared to defend that model uh, robustly, and Luxembourg, along with Ireland, are are jurisdictions that are, are very closely tied to that model. Ultimately, it was the the existing partnership framework in Luxembourg, the SCS and SCSP arrangements uh, that look very similar to English Limited Partnership structures that our investors are familiar with and wouldn't question (coughs) that led us to Luxembourg. Um, And once we uh, had got to that position, we're basically now in a position where we have a third-party AFEM, Arrangements with a, a Luxembourg service provider, and they are delegating back to us in London the portfolio management activity. Now, as our activities grow in Luxembourg, we will reflect on how we need to uh, manage and resource our framework. But to date, we have um, we've launched our first um, parallel Luxembourg vehicle, uh, and I think we will see, as we for future fundraisings, that activity increase. But again, with your
0: example, this shows again the beauty of uh, using the delegation model, which brings also lots of advantages, and that's why it should absolutely be protected in the future too. Um, After your decision to opt for Luxembourg, how did your journey look like? Any specific experience you would like to share with our audience? Any recommendations which could have
2: facilitated this process? So once we had identified Luxembourg as our, our preferred hub. Uh, we ran a due diligence process on potential service providers. Um, we identified contractual negotiations. So far, so good. I think what, what, what we established was when negotiating the AFEM service uh, provider uh, contract, um, moving deviating from standard contractual terms Took longer than we had anticipated. I think we went in with the mindset that this, and I, I, I don't want to disparage or take away from the last uh, uh, panel, but that this was a additional support service, middle office, uh, back office activity, and that the arrangements would be reasonably straightforward to uh, negotiate. Um, but for the AFEM, third-party AFM, there are increased responsibilities. Um, so We, uh, internally, uh, uh, have to understand the additional obligations and, and uh, regulatory obligations that the third-party AFM has. Um, we have to educate our own internal stakeholders, our deal-doers, that the level of control um, that we have had for English limited partnerships and autonomy is slightly reduced with this model. Um, we have to work in partnership with our service provider in this instance, and while they 've shown plenty of flexibility that, that is a that is a cultural change for for our business and I, I what I would say to anyone who is considering this model invest the time and resource in developing the interface between the service provider and and yourself as the portfolio manager um, there are things can get lost in translations or there can be assumptions that processes or, or um, interpretations of law are the same um, where actually when you get to the nitty-gritty there are subtle differences um, so it, 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 investing that time up front uh, will has and will reduce um, difficulties during a live deal uh, process. Thanks Co, for
0: sharing your experience and also those examples very helpful. I think Nicolas is also back with uh, good communication. I hope so. so Can you hear me? yes, let, let's do that together. Then uh, back to the, the initial question about then uh, the UK as a strong ally. Um, could you take uh, on that question back?
3: Well, sure. Uh, Apologies for the connection issues. Um, It shows that even after a month of remote working, we still don't exactly uh, master all the technologies, at at least not when you are competing for bandwidth with uh, three teenagers on a fortnight marathon. Um, So the UK, uh, I see Michael has teenagers at home. Um, The UK is an ally. Obviously, the UK and Luxembourg had, uh, over decades, built up a very efficient and mutually beneficial um, working relationship in financial services that, unfortunately, was disrupted uh, four years and five months ago by the referendum, which we obviously still regret to this day and will regret for quite a while um, from here. Even if, um, like the example of Co shows many financial institutions and it, we have um, listed somewhere between 60 and 80 of them in various sectors, banks, uh, insurance companies, asset managers, including obviously quite a number of uh, alternative managers, And uh, various fintech firms have chosen to relocate activities to Luxembourg. That in and of itself is, of course, a a nice addition, a nice confirmation of Luxembourg's uh, attractiveness in financial services. We still regret very much losing the United Kingdom as a partner, Um, first and foremost, also on the regulatory sphere. Over the last couple of decades, Luxembourg and uh, the UK, because we are both exporters, net exporters of financial services, uh, first into other markets of the European Union, but then also into other global markets. We had taken very similar positions when it came to defining the regulatory framework. And now with the UK um, out of the game, that leaves Luxembourg and Ireland, more or less, to defend the uh, more economically liberal approaches to defining regulation. My hope is that going forward also you will see other countries that have been successful in attracting some of these um, financial institutions and thus more pan-European financial services. So other financial institutions that will from the likes of Paris, Amsterdam and so on, Madrid even, Milan, uh, export financial services and thus have certain interests, these countries will be more amenable to taking into consideration the interests of that industry that they have been so successful in attracting. You cannot um, attract financial institutions and then satisfy yourself with that. You also need to cater to the needs of that industry. And that is where I think that uh, fundamentally, I hope this will have to be factored into the policies that these countries then represent um, at the European level and at other uh, supranational levels.
0: We had not mentioned yet e-sports as a disruptive investment theme, but uh, as it appears, so it's very interesting that work from home is kind of uh, limited afterwards. Uh, If we go back then to to Michael, uh, if we would end up with a hard Brexit, which options do you foresee and how strong would London NEP industry be impacted?
1: I feel uh, Nicholas's pain, not so much from having teenagers, my, my kids, are am a late dad, so my kids are a bit younger. I, my twist on this latest working from home uh, dimension recently was when I was plunged into internet darkness only to discover my son had been... Uh, creating a cinema uh, in our living room and had switched off every uh, socket, including the router. So there's all sorts of uh, disasters waiting for us with children around the house, but isn't it lovely to be with them? Um, on to the point of, of hard Brexits. So look... Um, the we've already got a pretty hard brexit in prospect we recognize that that's why both the financial services firms who are our members and the portfolio companies through whom you know they invest and generate their returns have been looking hard at this over the last two or three years really that's been very strongly signaled now under the previous prime minister theresa may and now uh, under our current uh, prime minister boris johnson What matters is that we get some pragmatic arrangements that will enable us to continue to do business, and I touched on those uh, previously. What I doubt we're going to see and what, what we would resist is any suggestion that in the UK we'll start to diverge at a rapid pace and very significantly from what is happening in terms of global standards, and obviously in that regard, the EU is hugely, hugely important. We will we believe, retain a very high attractiveness for funds flowing in, uh, not just to the UK, but to Europe and other parts of the world through not just London's, but multiple financial centers across the United Kingdom. We can only do that uh, if people believe that the regulation here is maybe different, but it is uh, in in keeping with what is being done on the continent and elsewhere. So, of course, there will be challenges for our existing uh, members as they operate through the day-to-day of existing arrangements and future fundraisers. We will, despite the, the departure, I hope, Continue to be complementary to what you're doing in Luxembourg and have this very strong relationship in commercial terms, even if the political and some of the regulatory things will be slightly tougher to, to, to keep uh, together. So, our ambition is that we do what business does Uh, we will navigate our way through the change Uh, we will continue it seems to me uh, once we get past not just the brexit changes but the covid impact on our economy when we get through that uh, bit of it uh, you know there will it seems to me be huge demand still for private equity Um, the expertise we have here in the uk um, is substantial and working with our partners whatever new set of arrangements uh, will continue to see success all round. So I don't think there's, there's no zero-sum game here. There's no uh, need to think that there's one gain here means a loss somewhere else. I think that we still see a very dynamic industry which has got a very strong future um, and uh, we will just have to work a little bit harder uh, to to smooth the frictions that this
0: is about to create. Like in a majority of cases, United, we are stronger. Let's then try to do that together. Agreed. Uh, Nicolas. Uh, also just um, um, a quick question. Um, how much is at stake now if no consensus would be found between the U- EU and UK? Okay. Could some e- equivalences be potentially maintained? And what would a third-party status mean for the asset management and fund industries, which offer high interest for the UK and also Luxembourg?
3: I think Michael laid it out, uh, as I said before, very eloquently, Um, even if the agreement that is currently being negotiated, first of all, is very thin uh, in substance and doesn't include much, if anything at all, on financial services, having such an agreement nevertheless is of great importance for the entire financial services industry in as much as arriving at an agreement will completely change the prospect um, for the future, namely in the atmospherics. If they were not to arrive at an agreement, you can be relatively certain that the atmospherics will be um, relatively acid. Um, If we do arrive at an agreement, I think we can hope that uh, other decisions that are not directly linked or technically linked to the agreement but such as the equivalences for instance that the commission has uh, repeatedly said would be granted unilaterally that the commission will take a more positive approach hopefully to it and that we will be able to use the agreement as a platform on which to build other elements, such as the regulatory cooperation that Michael has been referring to. Um, in that sense, having or not having an agreement will really mean uh, the world to what will happen going forward. And in that sense, uh, really, we will hopefully see. This week, next week, probably rather next week, um, what will happen in the, the world of equivalences and, and delegation and many of these things. Now, this being said, having an agreement will not change the fact that the UK will become a third country and that for third countries, certain rules apply. That is and will remain a hard fact of Brexit. Uh, in that sense, to use uh, Theresa May's formula, Brexit will mean Brexit.
0: So, to be continued. Um, the audience, uh, now is the time, if you want to ask questions to our experts, would be good and interesting. If not... Not and- all together. Okay. <laughs> If not, sir, any closing words and messages you would like to pass, uh, be it uh, Michael, Nicholas and co?
2: Just from my side, uh, I think it's it's the continuation of the delegation model and uh, Luxembourg's willingness to defend it is going to be very important, I think, for, for the UK. Having an ally on the inside is something that... Um, will will be very important to us and our, our future activities i think in in uh in in europe
3: and if i may comment on that i mean of course luxembourg is going to defend that it, but it's it's really not a luxembourg issue and it shouldn't be seen as such i think it is something that is of importance to the entire industry it's what the industry has been built on um, over the last couple of decades. And it, it's not only between the UK and the continent, but it's what uh, the entire asset management industry has used between uh, New York and, and the EU, between uh, Japan and the EU, between Hong Kong and the EU, and so on and so forth. It's It's what has been Really, uh, at the basis of how the asset management industry works, and in that sense, I can only encourage the entire industry to do what Co is suggesting, namely to defend um, this tried and tested uh, model. Luxembourg obviously is one voice, but we have already heard many others, like the ICI, like uh, Tokyo, like sorry, Hong Kong's. Uh, uh, asset Management Association and so on, but individual firms could also um, make their voices heard in this. And I think that is what really is important for uh, policy makers to hear.
0: That message was also passed, Nicolas, uh, within the LPA and uh, shared with our members. Any closing words, uh, Michael? Well,
1: listen, let me reinforce the the point that I made before of how valued the relationship is between Luxembourg and UK in not just in private equity, but more broadly in terms of financial uh, services. Uh, we have committed ourselves as an association to continuing to work closely with all our friends uh, in all parts of Europe. We think there is still a bigger shared agenda than what will separate us and divide us uh, in some of the regulatory areas in the years to come. And on behalf of this great industry that we represent, uh, which has got so much further potential, I think there is an awful lot of work that we can do together. So I hope that um, working to your colleagues, uh, Nicolas and others, we will be able to continue to point out how important this is and be able to anticipate and work around any of the small problems that may be thrown in our way.
0: Thanks a lot, gentlemen, for being here today with us and for sharing your opinion and your views on Brexit. We stay in touch and see you soon. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.